This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Good morning, I'm Siobhan Moran-McFarlane. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Wednesday the 18th of January. In your Squiz today, eyeing our economic horizon, some seriously hard rain, farewelling two prominent Aussies, and getting loud about leaving. This is your Squiz today. It's a new year, Claire, and with that comes a lot of new data about where our economy is headed. And yesterday, the Treasury released what feels like some rare good news. Wages are growing at their fastest rate in a decade, up 1% in the September quarter, taking the growth to an annual average of 3.1%. Yeah, so that 3.1% is up from about 2.3% annually when you look at it over the last 10 years or so. Uh, Treasurer Jim Chalmers was very happy with that and says that he expects that to continue. Uh, Also positive was the latest consumer confidence data from Westpac and that shows that Aussies are feeling slightly more optimistic about the economy. Uh, As a whole, we're still feeling pretty cautious, but given six months of interest rate rises, analysts say, that it could have been a lot worse. Uh, That might change with the Reserve Bank expected to continue to lift interest rates this year. So strap yourself in. Yes. And of course, we can't talk about our economic situation without looking at the bigger picture, which includes one of the world's largest economies being China. After finally emerging from three years of harsh COVID restrictions in December, China's quarterly data release shows its economy grew in 2022 at the second slowest pace since the 1970s. But it isn't all bad news. No, so China's economy grew by 3% in 2022, which is well below the government's target of 5.5%, but it's above what the analysts were expecting. Uh, As for the here and now, the significant surge in COVID cases might slow China's consumer spending, and that has global effects because it's such a big market. Uh, And new figures show that China's population is also declining. Uh, In 2022, it came down and that was a first since the 1960s. Uh, China is such a big economic player. So what's happening there is worth keeping an eye on. And if getting your head round the roller coaster of the global economic outlook makes you feel dizzy, you are not alone because later this week, experts are meeting at the World Economic Forum in Davos in Switzerland, where they are talking about what's been called the most complex geopolitical and geoeconomic backdrop in decades. Claire, we've gotten pretty used to weather warnings and near constant rain over the past couple of years. But even still, what's happening in Queensland right now is extraordinary. There are emergency flash flooding warnings in place and heaps of road closures across the state's north and central regions as it continues to be inundated with some seriously heavy rain. So here are two numbers to focus on. Mackay and Proserpine are on the state's central coast. Mackay received 1,000 millimetres of rain, uh, Proserpine 800 millimetres of rain over the last seven days. Now, you might remember Sydney got very excited late last year when the numbers came in for the amount of rain that it had received over the year, which was 2,000 millimetres. So for those areas to get about half of that rain in a week is just extraordinary. 
adding to the layer of complexity there. The Bureau of Meteorology warns that there's a low pressure system there that's hovering around. It could develop into a tropical cyclone today. Uh, Officials are really warning people to be safe there, uh, particularly to make good choices about staying off inundated roads. Uh, One person has died when his vehicle became trapped in floodwaters east of Mackay. Uh, So if you're up that way, please stay safe. And if you're in Australia's south and west this week, you're probably sweltering. And officials say unprecedented heatwaves are set to be a big feature of 2023, with scientists forecasting the return of La Nina's dry and hot brother, El Nino. Yesterday, we learned that not one, but two very different but equally prominent Aussies had died, Claire. The first being Liberal Senator and retired Major General Jim Molan, and the other iconic Aussie soul singer, Renee Geyer. So starting with Jim Molan, he was 72 years old. He was diagnosed with prostate cancer a couple of years ago. He had a long and distinguished career with the Australian Army. Probably one of his most notable roles came in 2004 when he was the Chief of Operations for Coalition Forces in Iraq. And in 2017, he entered the Federal Parliament as a Liberal Senator for New South Wales. Uh, He was well regarded by politicians from both the major parties when it came to defence policy. As for Renee Geyer, she was 69 years old and she died after hip surgery. Uh, She'd also had some run-ins with cancer over the years. Uh, She was a very big talent. Her career spanned five decades and in the 70s and 80s she had big pop hits with songs like Say I Love You uh, and Heading in the Right Directions, which you should absolutely look up on your music apps when you get a chance. Uh, But it was her jazz credentials that saw her recognised by the best in the business as an incredible singer. Gaya's family described her as irrepressible, cheeky and loyal and a force of nature. This week, our podcast is brought to you by Aware Super, one of Australia's most awarded super funds. It can be hard to know where the best place to grow your super is, but with awards like CanStar's Outstanding Value three years in a row and Money Magazine's 2024 Ultra Long Term Performance, Aware Super's 1.1 million members can be confident their super is in good hands. Visit aware.com.au forward slash awards to find out more. Awards are only one consideration. Read the PDS and TMD on the website. Claire, I know you enjoyed the show Clarkson's Farm, which follows car fanatic Jeremy Clarkson as he tries to run his farm in the English countryside. But that could be about to end as the fallout from an article he wrote for the Sun newspaper last month continues. Well, it's not just me who enjoyed Clarkson's Farm. Camilla, (laughs) the Queen Consort, loved it too. She's talked quite a bit about that. So uh, just to go back a bit, Clarkson has been in hot water since writing an article for that newspaper in the UK last month, he outlined, and this is the quote, uh, his cellular level of hatred towards Meghan Markle. Uh, He was really quite nasty in the article and the backlash was pretty immediate. Uh, Clarkson says that he sent a Christmas Day email to the Sussexes apologising for his disgraceful choice of words, but that wasn't accepted. Uh, And yesterday, Clarkson issued a second apology. He said it had bells on and a spokesperson for the Sussexes uh, said that that was rejected as well. Uh, They said that it didn't make up for his hate rhetoric and misogyny. 
Season two of Clarkson's Farm is set to air next month, but reports say Amazon Prime is going to cut ties with him on any future work, ending that and car show The Grand Tour. Now, if you don't know the origins of that show, it started after Clarkson was axed from the BBC's Top Gear program in 2015 after he assaulted one of the show's producers. Claire, we're trying to recruit some new staff members at the moment, but for those who are keen to leave their jobs, apparently 2023 is all about loud quitting. So we should probably start by saying that those spots are available, not because people are loud quitting, but because (laughs) they're off on parental leave. So (laughs) that's something. But look, last year it was all about quiet quitting. So basically you just slack off. Uh, Now it's about loud quitting, which is telling your boss that you plan to quit. And the idea is that they go into an immediate panic and then they offer you an obscene amount of money to stay (laughs) on. So uh, the experts say that that might not be such a great plan because if you've spent months quiet quitting, uh, it probably hasn't gone unnoticed and your employer might be very happy to see the back of you. Yes. And if neither quiet nor loud quitting has worked out for you, there is also another new trend called rage applying, whereby you (laughs) frantically send out your CV to loads of jobs in the hopes of finding a new, better paid gig very quickly. It's another high risk strategy, Claire, but apparently this is how Gen Z is rolling now. <laughs> and we should probably say, if you do want to rage apply, we've got those jobs up on our website. <laughs> so go to www.thesquiz.com.au. Nice plug. <laughs> Squiz the day, Claire, and the Oz Open continues. There are some very exciting matches to look forward to today. Yeah, there sure are. Probably one you and I agree on, Siobhan, is uh, Rafael Nadal. He's taking on Mackenzie McDonald from the US. Uh, That happens at two o'clock. So a nice little mid-afternoon tennis session. That's it from us today. Thanks for listening and we'll be back with you again tomorrow. Hello, it's Bryce here from Squiz Kids. Kids and fiscal policy go together like peaches and cream, which is why we're excited to present a special Squiz Kids Q&A this week with Federal Treasurer Jim Chalmers. It's the podcast where the kids of Australia get to ask the questions. Tune in to Squiz Kids today to find out how the notorious B.I.G. has helped shape next week's budget, why the Treasurer considers himself more of a three-pointer than a slam dunker, and why his toenails will be painted with glitter nail polish next Tuesday when he stands in Parliament to hand down the budget. Plus, there's a cheeky question in there about his leadership ambition. All part of our mission to engage kids in the wider news agenda. Check it out in the Squiz Kids podcast feed or via squizkids.com.au.